The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Hey friends, thanks for being with me today on our program Afternoons with Mike, heard daily here on the Shepherd Radio Network. A friend from uh, here in Orlando, where we are uh, broadcasting from in the Shepherd studio today, Connie Albers. I was first introduced to her probably 2019, I think it was, and um, would have been in the first six months of us broadcasting from here. Uh, in the uh, studio building where we are before we even had our studios in. Connie is a family friend uh, to uh, some friends here in the organization and uh, was advised to me that this is a lady that you need to have on. Fox 35 News has her on regularly. In fact, she came to our studio today from there. So it's uh, a real joy to talk to someone they consider an expert at parenting. Now, that's quite a moniker for you to wear right there, Connie. Yeah, it's a little daunting sometimes, <laughs> yeah, isn't it? <laughs> I would think so. <laughs> but uh, we do have in Connie Albers uh, an expert in this field, and I'm grateful to have her here. Welcome to my program. Mike, thanks for being here. It has been fun to watch your journey. The studio uh, evolved from where you began with just your system in this room that wasn't soundproof and just <laughs> you were just making it work to now this beautiful studio and you're doing a great job all these years later. And you know, when you said 2019, I thought, wow, we started before the world changed. Before, That's right. And it, it ushered in massive changes at a breathtaking speed. Yeah, you know, the whole world, and I, you're right in saying that, the pandemic by just definition uh, in this case was indeed global mm -hmm. and people all over. I mean, there are some countries that reacted even maybe more stiffly than what the U S did mm -hmm. and maybe still long range effects. And well, I was just in Canada in early May speaking at a big conference there. And, and there was some nerves on my end because I'm here in America and going into Canada. Canada does not operate the same way we do their system right. of government. Um, is is different they're not favorable to uh homeschooling which is i was speaking at a homeschool conference and they're not favorable to christians so it was like a double and i kept thinking as i was flying uh to toronto what i needed to be careful of what i said because one i want to represent uh, this organization which they're bringing me into but it was interesting because as we were there, the king was being court, you know, the big coronation of King Charles III was happening. So we got up at five in the morning to watch that, the coronation. And we just were talking about their heritage and their, their mm -hmm. system of government and how socialistic they have actually become. Very much so. And while I was there, you know, we, you still couldn't get into America. There was still a ban that was going to be lifted on May 11th. And I kept thinking, just let me get back into America. And America is still an amazing place to live and have children and raise a family. And we're having our own pain stresses going yeah, on right are. now. So it was an interesting that you mentioned that, that what I'm seeing across the, not just in America, but in other countries as well. It's so true. And what you're saying and what, what uh, I believe God is calling you to do at these interviews, at these conferences, like what you did today with Fox 35. I mean, you're, we're dealing with things in America that our grandparents would never have believed we would have ever had to deal with. Right. This whole gender thing, mm -hmm. the whole trans, transgender thing. I mean, you know, there's a couple of things in there that are just bizarre, but none more than the ever expanding list of letters that are now being associated mm -hmm. to this movement. And it is nothing less than a new religion. And our languages are being, you know, words that we would use as common are now being rewritten and redefined. And, yeah. and you know, if you're over a certain age, that's that's not easy to adjust to and to understand. And some of it doesn't even make sense because what's, you know, proper today will be, oh, insane tomorrow. And, and it's hard for people to keep up. It is. And, you know, you wonder what happened with this small percentage because back when 
we first started uh, really fighting this when I was up in Gainesville. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was this law that was going to be the bathroom law. And if you felt like a woman that day, you could go. If you're a man, Mm -hmm. you could go into the ladies' bathroom. And we fought that. And at the picket lines where we were kind of like just doing some peaceful demonstration, we were joined by by some progressive leftists Mm -hmm. there that just were a little bit on the rude side to us and would argue our points that we just were peacefully holding signs like no to this ordinance, Mm -hmm. no to this amendment. And uh, we were trying to just be a voice. And I was shocked to, to uh, hear during that season, only a few years ago, uh, the small percentage of people that would have uh, using the language of the day, Mm -hmm. identify Mm -hmm. as a transgender. Mm -hmm. It was like point four of one percent and now when you look at the kids the some of the polling they've done in a very effective job of causing a lot of confusion the confusion wasn't there before they caused it Mm -hmm. but now there are kids it can it can range up to double digits where kids are wondering am i really a girl am i really a middle school years makes a child prime to question their identity and because their their hormones are kicking in, they're starting to realize what's there that shouldn't be there or what's not there that should be there. And they're looking around and their their brain chemistry is firing. So they have hormonal changes and brain development changes. And so when they're trying to figure out who they are in general, which has which has always been uh, that season of development for an adolescent, now it's there's a whole nother spectrum of sex and sex identity and and that adds a layer, and some will say uh, on the other side will say, "Hey, this this has always been there. You just have not ever been willing to uh, accept it or look at it." Um, and and yet they're saying, "No, we're, this has, this is what it is, and this is what we're going to do about mm-hmm. it." And they have a they you know as we're talking through these microphones, they have a bigger microphone right now. They and do. so what they're doing to the next generation, to our kids, our grandkids what is happening will have long lasting ramifications because I believe there will be a lot of people that will either uh, enter adulthood with that whole, what would I do? Kind of like in a 17 or 18 year old looks back at their teenage years and like, oh man, what was I thinking? That was like, it was like a crazy <laughs> idea. Um, and they'll the look hair. back and they'll think, oh, what did I do? Right. And now parents are being threatened. Um, or to lose their children if they don't agree with it. I mean, so the ability for a parent to raise their child with their family values Mm -hmm. is being stripped away state by state, county by county in in many places in the U.S. Um, And and we're just seeing it at a a fast pace. It is. It's it's going at breakneck speed. These changes, and again, they're hard to keep up with. This morning on uh, Al Mohler's The Briefing, I listen to that almost every day because he has just this most amazing, I think, uh, platform and his ability that God's blessed him with. He speaks faster than anybody I've ever known, (laughs) says more in one minute than anybody's ever said, I think. But he talked about today the fact that there's it's big in the news right now for the first time ever. Human Rights Campaign officially declares a state of an emergency for LGBTQ plus 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 and all of that. Mm. So in other words, they're now uh, using terms and it's an emergency. Mm-hmm. Like, not unlike mm-hmm. what would happen if the National Weather Service put out an, a state of emergency for an impending hurricane. So we are now being told that uh, there's a, an emergency, a state of emergency, not just a single little emergency, but we have a global state of emergency affecting this this community. And it, what he goes into is he starts to unpack all of this and you get into the weeds of what these people mean. Basically, if you disagree with anything that's going on that we're being told to agree with, you are a rebel. Mm-hmm. You are fighting you are are the emergency. Yeah, you're, you're the, the enemy. enemy. Mm-hmm. You're the enemy to what's going on. Yeah, and so it, it's 
a redefining. I like the fact that you said that earlier about terms in our in our language. There's a redefining of our culture right now, mm-hmm. and it's a massive uh, sweep because you're right. They have the big microphone called the U.S. news media, and they don't seem to be willing. And money. Let's not uh, forget. That's right. Let's not under you know the power of the dollar or the power of money. Uh, has the ability to um, shape and influence policies and people. And so when you have not just the media who is your megaphone, but you have the money behind it because the people that work behind the microphones are typically getting paid. I mean, they got to go buy the, you know, $10 a dozen eggs. They they have to live in yeah. the culture that they're, you know, they're right. working in. So we when you factor in power and money, that can usher in a massive cultural disruption and disruption is is the goal and it has been a goal for a exactly for a long right. time but yeah. i i love i i personally know a lot of families are struggling with this issue um not issue but w- well with this um with this topic in their families there's a lot of families that uh we know that that these are conversations that we didn't have around the kitchen table, but we are now having, and it's creating divisiveness within the the mother, father, child relationship and grandparents. And I, and my message, Mike is, you know, God is still God. You know, it didn't, he didn't just wake up one day in 2020 and say, Oh my, look what's happened. And he's not looking now at what, what is going on, wringing his hands saying, what am I going to do about this? Oh, this is a real crisis. No, that's not the God that you and I know. And my message is, families, we have to strengthen our families. We have to still teach our children how to navigate the culture that they're in. Every generation has some cultural disruption. This is our kids. Mm -hmm. How are we going to guide them so that when we turn the tassel, we have a relationship with our kids, that our kids um, have a work ethic, that our children have integrity, that our children um, are productive citizens. We, we can't, there's some things we can't control, Mike. We can't, we can't put That's a right. stop to it, uh, but God can. Yeah. And God has told us to do a couple of things. One, to know his word, That's right. not be ashamed of it. That's right. And to pray. Yeah. And when we realize that those are our greatest assets in building our families, then we don't have to get, we don't have to be captivated by the today's headlines. I think that along with those two things, knowing the word and the ability to pray, coupled with the fact that we serve a God who is omnipotent and he is not, like you said, he's not asleep at the wheel. This didn't sneak up and catch God by surprise. So there's got to be something that he's allowing to happen, which That's what's happening. But all of this has been talked about for years Mm -hmm. and years and years. That's one of the most shocking things to me is that being older, and there's one advantage now to being older and seeing this happen because things that I was taught when I was a young man in church growing up, we're now seeing it's coming to life. Mm -hmm. You know, those in times that we used to refer to them, it's happening right now. Well, and people, since the pandemic hit, what do we see? We see nationally, uh, people aren't returning to church like they were. They are really flocking to social media influencers of various types. They're looking for somebody, somebody to help them navigate the yeah. the daily life responsibilities. You know, uh, how do we, how do I afford to, food? How do I afford housing? How do I find a job? I mean, we're, we're relying more and more on technology and the smartphones and the devices that we use. I mean, we're using it right now. It gets our message out to listeners and to your audience. And so I think when we, when we look at all that's happening and we identify, yes, this is actually happening. God, what's my response to it? Yeah. That has to be where we come back to. What's my response to it? That's the first question. Yeah. That's where we need to be. And there has to be a starting place. If we don't have a starting place, and this is then playing right into the game that they're wanting us to do, and that's silence. That's where people don't say anything and they just kind of, that's what happened to all of us, Connie, in 2020. Mm -hmm. We kind of all submitted. We thought we were doing the right thing in America. Churches shut down for those two weeks to flatten the curve. 
but <laughs> the longest 19 yeah. days or two weeks we've ever seen. Absolutely. Yeah. Because of the fact that we, we thought the best. Yeah. And I think along with that, a lot of people now would say in hindsight, well, there should have been more resistors than what we actually had. I should have been one of them. We should have said, no, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to trust God. We're going to not disobey the meeting together, which that commandment was given to us, not by man, not by government, but by God, not neglect the, the meeting together. And so what what's happened is pretty far reaching in its impact. I have asked, um, others in our space, you know, people that have way more access to information than I do. And I've had some great interviews and conversations with them. And you know, one of the things that has tr- really made me question is, was there really an orchestrated effort to totally disrupt everything? And this is not about the, the COVID itself. It's about, I don't, I don't believe that the powers that be, whether it's the leaders, whatever you want to define them, I don't believe they realized how easy it was actually going to be to scare people enough yep. to make them not go to work, not leave their house, uh, not talk to anybody else, to totally be in complete isolation. I don't think they understood it was going to be that easy. Yeah, I agree with you. I think they found out, and that was a sad and lesson an, for them to learn. And well, yeah, I mean, it, then it became a massive power grab because yeah. once you have that kind of control... You don't want to let it go. I mean, people in power want what? Power begets power. So people who have that much power and say they want to hold on to it because then they are elevated to a higher level. Now the problem is it's created a a high level of distrust. Mm -hmm. Will that ever be able to happen again? I don't know. I mean, it was 100 years since the last pandemic. So you and I might not live to the next one. But I do think that they there have been lots of studies on control human behavior what motivates it what why were people so drawn to uh say okay well whatever you tell me to do i'm gonna go do um to the point where if you remember and even today but just for different reasons but to the point where people wouldn't be friends with you they wouldn't let you see grandkids you couldn't if you didn't follow whatever that day's protocol was yeah you were cut apart from your family. That's right. Um, if you didn't have the jab. If you didn't have the jab. Yeah. Uh, if you didn't, you know, jump up and down, turn around, do the hokey pokey at, you know, 1 p.m. every single day. And I'm being facetious, but that's just when we look back, you think, wow, how did we let this happen? How did we let our parents die in, in isolation yeah. wards, mm-hmm. in nursing homes, in a hospital bed with nobody there? No one of sound mind would ever look back and say, I, yep, that was the right thing to do. I just, it's amazing to me to think how unhumane we were or inhumane yeah. we were. Yeah. Um, when they, you, when they you look definitely back. got away with it. But hindsight yeah. is twenty twenty, and yeah. now we have a whole new host every day. There's a new bell ringing of another crisis that diverts our attention to this is the, the biggest thing in the headlines today. What will it be tomorrow? You know, right. now it's the financial you know, financial collapse or, you know, I was reading an article that 75% of homes, middle-class can't afford it. I mean, what are we doing? What's next? Yeah. That's a great question. What is next? We don't know what's next, but we have a pretty good idea because uh, the World Health Organization has put out uh, this whole thing this week on a recommendation for a global vaccine. How about that one? A global vaccine. Now, those are terms that, that are being thrown out there for shock value. And I think back in the days that would never have stuck. I'm not so sure that that won't stick in this day and age and in our culture. That's one of the things, obviously the currency that you mentioned, the whole uh, going to digital currency, that's another concern. There's a lot going on, but thank God, and we're going to end this segment with this. Thank God we serve the Lord who is over all. And we're not going to get our eyes off of that. I believe we do need to get busy. We need to speak up, but we need to have faith in God. We'll be right back. This is Afternoons with Mike. You're on The Shepherd. Pastors and financial leaders, do you need expert accounting or tax help? Do you have payroll or 1099 questions? Do you need a ministry expert to help you acquire real estate for your next project? If the answer is yes, yes, and yes, visit PetraWorldwide.org. 
Petra Worldwide has been strengthening ministries to transform humanity since 2007. Visit PetraWorldwide.org or call 855-481-9095. Palm Beach Atlantic University Orlando offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. Glad to have you back here on Afternoons with Mike. My guest is Connie Albers. She's a mom. She's a homeschooler. She is an author. She is a speaker. My goodness, you're traveling everywhere. You're getting ready to leave for another trip, and then you'll be back. And you're, you've gone to Canada recently. You were involved at the NRB, mm-hmm. and uh, that was pretty crazy, wasn't it? Yes, that was amazing. You know, I'd, I went to the NRB in Nashville as an attendee only. And this year I came and do it focused on interviews, giving interviews and doing interviews and meeting people. And so I never made it into any of the sessions. I'm sure they were great, but sometimes you just did flat one. run out yeah. of time. Yeah. I did the main session the first night uh-huh. and got to hear the governor and uh, also one of the um, Abraham Hamilton, uh, the, who is the General Counsel for American Family Association mm. was on my program the next day and I wanted to make sure and hear him. Mm-hmm. So I had a chance to interview him the day after. He lit the place up that night uh, with his just his sense of humor, but most importantly, his wisdom and what how God's using this guy. But here's a, a man who is an attorney who uh, studied at a seminary uh, and got his degree in biblical languages. Really? Yeah. So there's somebody that's got some active brain cells that are still working in him. <laughs> we need to find out what his secret is, <laughs> yeah, Mike. <laughs> I'm telling you. I don't know how he does it, but he's just a great guy. Oh. Yeah. And then, of course, getting to hear Franklin Graham. Mm-hmm. Uh, the NRB was, in my estimation this year, the best I've ever gone to. I would agree with you. I don't have as much, you know, experience as you do, but the, it was so well thought out. Great communication. They had amazing attendees, whether it was authors. You and I talked about this off before we went live, you know, just the authors that were there and the media that was there, um, the information that was shared. It was it was exactly what we needed to be able to do what we're called to do and run mm-hmm. our race. So I was I was thrilled, um, but I w- I wasn't there for the whole time because I had another conference I had to run to. So I was there for a little bit, and I did hear the governor, and that was the day before uh, Governor DeSantis made his presidential uh, announcement, which was the following day. Uh, I believe that was on a Tuesday, um, and then that week, uh, I, later that week, I was keynoting at another conference, a very large homeschool conference in Florida. It's the largest in the country, actually in the world. Um, but there's wow. not quite the organization in other countries that there is in the United States. So it's by far, uh, they had around 18,000 for this homeschool conference, which is um I think there were 30, there are 35 years in, uh, to the homeschool movement. Anyway, now, he, did you keynote before 18,000? Uh, no, there wasn't 18,000 in that because that's total attendance. That's a hotel number. There were probably five or 6,000 in my wow. keynote. Wow. And so, uh, the governor had spoken on the Friday and that's right after he made the announcement. So it was interesting, Mike, for me to hear him talk at the NRB as a governor and what his thoughts and ambitions and what he had done in his career and what he sees coming versus the the governor who's now running for president of the United States. Mm. Similar messages, but different tone, which was uh, which was interesting. Um, so that was a fun fact, you know, yeah. to to hear. Well, yeah, we got to hear the governor a lot that week, mm-hmm. and uh, obviously the world heard him on Wednesday night when he made oh, that it was announcement. Wednesday, yeah. When he made the announcement, I think that was a Wednesday. Uh, but uh, on Saturday before, uh-huh. uh, he was at the big John Stenberger event, the Florida Family Policy Council. He keynoted that night, yeah. and I got to see him there, and that was just an amazing evening. And, you know, if you're, you're thinking about we in Florida really... We have something very special with with our state right now, and it's being looked at 
nationally, yes. if not globally, as being the, the place to be. Yes. And I think that is absolutely uh, backed up by the fact that so many people from some of the blue states are moving here. I think I read something like 900 new residents a day. I mean, you can, you can kind of feel it sometimes when what used to take you 10 minutes to get somewhere takes a little bit longer, but that's remarkable. And you know, there's something attractive about that. And my question is, okay, so what is it? Let's, I mean, we don't have to take a a micro, a magnifying glass to that. It's pretty simple. Mm -hmm. People want freedom. Yep. And freedom to live their lives and raise their children. The governor uses the phrase, welcome to the free state of Florida, the great free state of Florida. And I agree. Yeah. You know, we are that. There's Florida and there's Texas. And then it kind of goes down from there for the rest of the 48 states. But I'm grateful that we're not in places like New York or California, Mm. especially California. Right. And uh, I I don't know. There's a lot of believers and I have a lot of friends that I talk with fairly regularly who are there in California. And surprisingly, they're doing okay, but they're aware that things are different there than they are here in Florida. Well, I got to spend some time with Pastor Jack Hibbs at the NRB, and we were just talking because, you know, he's from California, and he's one of the few churches that didn't close down during Mm -hmm. the pandemic. And there were some others that uh, also did not adhere to the, you know, restrictions and paid the price and won their legal battles. But it was interesting because, you know, he was saying, yeah, you know, Florida is a great state in which to live in. It's a great state to have commerce. I mean, we, we still have good commerce. There, there are there problem areas. Yes. It's called the human condition. There's going to be conflict and problems. And, but that's the American way, isn't it? That we dialogue, we debate, we have conversations, and then we still live our lives in unity and harmony. That to me is a message that the other states uh, that may struggle more with one-sided doctrination They could learn some things. Can we just revisit that whole topic of we can agree to disagree? Um, that's not a that's not something we're commonly seeing. Right. Uh, in in some states, uh, it's one way and one sided. But I do think that there is something to be said about discussion and debate. You know, our fortieth president Ronald Reagan, mm-hmm. he was the president during a tumultuous time in our history here in the United States. And he had a lot of people that would he would have served right alongside in Congress. You think of Tip O'Neill, who mm-hmm. at that time was the, a predominant Democrat. The two of them, even though they couldn't have been farther apart in political ideals and maybe practices or policies, they still had this ability to laugh, maybe to have dinner together and, and respect one another as a person, if not respecting their ideals. But that seems to be gone in America today. You know, it's interesting you said that because uh, many years ago, I was very involved in the political scene. And you're right. You you would have disagreements, vigorous, vigorous debates. You'd be fighting for something you absolutely firmly believe in, whether it was a cause or a policy. And then you just, you'd go golf or you would go to dinner. Yeah. You, you and your, your spouse would go to dinner with, with them as a couple, or you would, you know, it would be more than just exchanging Christmas cards. There were genuine friendships because the idea was that we were America. It was one umbrella and this is where we all live. And this is where we're going to, you know, continue to be the world superpower. Now, only recently have I seen a, more of a divide. Now, publicly, there is lots of rancor. Um, privately, there's a little bit more camaraderie. There's more, you know, talking because they do have to get some things done. But that's becoming more and more difficult, mm-hmm. uh, especially in the federal government. I, I agree. So we've got our work cut out for we us do. here. And, you know, you mentioned that you spoke on homeschooling, and I want to go to that for a moment, because one of the areas that you are known for, again, is parenting. And uh, during the, the pandemic, a lot of parents mm-hmm. who had said, I'll never homeschool, were suddenly homeschooling right. to some degree, not the same way that you would or Cindy would have back in the day and not for the same motives, uh-huh. but they were not given a choice. The kids were coming home yeah. and they were going to do their lessons at home under your supervision. And we call that pandemic schooling. And the reason <laughs> we call that is because it isn't homeschooling. And I recently had a Washington Post reporter reach out to me 
wanting to do an interview and his his questions were pretty general like why is homeschooling exploding and it has by you know four times the uh, normal pre-pandemic uh, pre 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 uh, words um but he wanted to know that and i said just look around this homeschooling is not an r or d topic it's not about republicans or democrats it's about parents wanting their kids to feel safe they want them to learn and to be able to compete in the arena of ideas in the marketplace at some point when they get to be you know a college age and adults parents want to know that their kids are are not being bullied and the gun safety is a big issue. And yes, we, we live in Florida, but those are all real topics. And parents are saying, you know, if I don't have a seat at the table, whether it's public school or private school, if I don't have a seat at the table, then you're forcing me to do nothing else. So some parents are homeschooling, not because they just want to homeschool. They just want something better than what's being currently offered to their kids. And, and they're being told by these schools, a lot of schools, that they don't have any say in the matter, yeah, even though they're mom up. and dad. Mm -hmm. That's just what's and so, so parental, crazy. Parental and parental, you know, it used to be in 2019, parents would all, uh, educators would often say, parents just aren't involved if they would just get more involved. I heard that uh, ad nauseum. Now it's parents, we don't want you. Mm -hmm. And so my question then, Mike, becomes, did you ever really want the parents did the light of the pandemic, was it so brightly shown on what you're doing? Parents started reacting and three things did happen. Parents did start learning what their kids either were or weren't learning and they wanted to be an active participant. Well, you would think that would be welcome, but it hasn't been. And so now parents across the nation, everywhere I go, I've been to Idaho and I'll be in Colorado and Arizona uh, at the Florida one and in Toronto everywhere. Uh, Virginia just had their state conference, uh, over 10,000. There's millions and millions of families now that are choosing to homeschool their kids. Right. They want academic excellence. They want their children to grow up with their family values and knowing that they have a voice and that they have a purpose and not to be factory assembled products. And yeah. that's what's kind of happening. And parents are saying, I appreciate the sentiment, but no, thank you. Well, I agree. And again, when I look at the country, when I look at the news that's happening, it, it's like, uh, okay, does anybody care about my offense? What offends people like me? When I see what they've done at the White House, for example, with this Pride Month, they've taken the American flags, which if you know anything about American flag protocol, the flag, the American flag, is supposed to always be center. Front and center. Front Most and prominent center. position. Not so with this one right now and not today in Washington, D.C. In fact, the American flag's frank, a flank on both sides, mm -hmm. the LGBTQ flag, mm -hmm. the, the, the gay pride flag. And it's just amazing to me. And I've heard people say, Mike, what's the big deal? Well, the big deal is that we're supposed to be one America. That's why the United yeah. States flag with the stripes and stars, and that is supposed to be a unity of all Americans. And what has been happened is now it's almost a visual divide. Yep. So we're supposed to be united, not dividing. And that's where I see our federal government absolutely saying, no, we're going to be divided. And how do we come back together? Well, how? they are certainly saying this. If our goal it seems to be dividing, but for right now, uh, you've got to you've got to go along with what we're saying. I mean, that's and and more and more. Th that's your point. A while ago, parents are standing up and saying no. People are standing up like they did in Loudon, Virginia, and they're saying no. We're we're going to be involved in our school me uh, meetings with uh, with the different school boards. We're going to be involved. We have a voice. We're not going to do. The COVID lay down our rights thing when it comes down to our children. Yes, it's and interesting that it is the children. You know, if you go after the children, you change. You truly do change 
the trajectory of a country. Yeah. And, and that's where I would lean on what my good friend Dave Zanotti at the Public Square has said, that this has not been an overnight sensation. Mm-mm. This started way back with Dewey and the philosophy of education. With We just didn't hear a lot about it. It was kind of a quiet under the under the level, uh, uh, the water level, but yet nevertheless having a strong current, just like a riptide. There's danger there, even though you may not see it. It's under the surface, but it's going, and that surface riptide, uh, or the under surface riptide, was pulling us away from parental control, from Judeo Christian ethic, from traditional thought about how Americans would have this one nation under God ideal. And it's, it's gradually gotten to a point, I, I think, and I do believe a tipping point was COVID. Yeah, I think that was a tipping point. Because and- it, it all led up to that. And then they kind of put their uh, trial balloon up there to see which way the wind was going. Well, that's an interesting analogy, isn't yeah, it? The right. balloon <laughs> floating across our country when you oh, shoot it down when goodness. it gets to the other side. Yeah, after it does all of its uh, intel. <laughs> Surveillance, yes. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. And you know, for all your listeners, uh, we just have to remember there is a greater hope. There is a hope that whatever trials we're, we're facing within our families, within our companies, within our state and beyond, whatever we're facing, those aren't, those aren't catching the Lord by surprise. And I do keep coming back to that because we, he, God is our refuge. He is our hope. He is the one that sustains us. And so when we talk about what can we do? Well, we do. We can't be silenced, which we are. Everyone's afraid they're going to lose their job. Rightly so. We're seeing it's like a game of whack-a-mole. Somebody tries to, to stand up for what, uh, uh, for a truth or for the truth and they get sidelined. They get, uh, canceled. Cancel culture is absolutely real. And all it takes is for a few to silence the many. That's right. And that's what we're seeing. We are seeing that, and again, that's why it's important, and I bring up Loudon, I bring up all these other issues, because the call that's going to be upon us as believers is that we're going to have to have courage. In this culture, uh, we cannot lay down and just watch our kids be grabbed by these ideologies that are wrong, that are sinful, and we've got to speak up, or we're not going to have a voice. We're not going to have a nation like what we've had before. And I want for my grandchildren uh, the nation that I was, I was blessed to live in. But we're going to have to speak up, Connie. It's, it's not just going to stay strong on its own. No, it won't. We see it eroding ever so slowly. And, and that's what happens uh, is the slow erosion. Um, I, I think that as the pendulum swings, which it's swinging in a direction right now, it always will swing back. It never swings back quite as far. So it'll be interesting to see with people like you and, and others that are in positions of influence that have a, a microphone or a megaphone, uh, what, how do they steward the ministry? How do they steward the, the platform that they have been given? What do we do with that? How do we show love and compassion? Because there's a lot of hurting people yeah. there are, and, and there's going to be a lot more confused people. They don't, they're not going to know what, what is right. What is true. And that's where you just keep hum, having to come back to what is true. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are right, whether whatsoever things are lovely. And it continues on. Think on those things. We have to gird our minds. We have to take control of our thoughts so that we aren't like the, the wind. Uh, we aren't like the, the, the waves that are tossed back right. by James. the winds. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And and that that requires, like you said, we have to have a strong constitution. You gotta do it. Connie Albers, wise words from my guest today. We'll be back with segment three coming up in just a moment. This is the Shepherd. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years experience, EC Waters is a top trained comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. Connie Albers is in the studio with me, and she's my guest today. Always enjoy having Connie up here. She brings, I think, a wealth of both biblical knowledge and just good old common sense. 
And Connie, I've mentioned it before on this program. If there's anything that's in short supply in America today, it's common sense. I mean, what in the world? I mean, people, I believe this. I believe that the bulk of people in America still believe the way I believe, Mm -hmm. the way that I believe where our grandparents believed. Uh, We are being persuaded, however, by the groups of those that are in maybe some of the bigger, bluer cities and these influential areas. We're being told what to believe. And a lot of people are going, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not there. And I think that battle is yet to come. I think the real the work that uh, is going to be wrought one day is may not be that far away, mm. but, but those opinions of those Americans, if I'm right, they're going to come out in some way, some form, some fashion. And uh, I, I, uh, I hope that when they do their voices loud and clear and they would be like what happened in Loudoun where the people say, no, we're going to be involved and we're going to change then if this is our elected officials, we're going to vote differently. Yeah, we do. You know, our country was built on, our, our country wasn't built perfectly and it wasn't start, it didn't start off exactly the way it should be. Nothing ever is there. It's, it's always, you're trying something and you adjust and you grow as you learn. And so, but the ideals that America would come together, that we would be one nation under God that that is the ideal and the tug and turn of of the civil war and and what's happened in our society uh there have been and with the martin luther king um movement the civil rights movement those are all turning points those are all pivoting defining moments in our history and we're in that now but i do want because we've had such great conversation about other things i do want to kind of like let's get granular and let's talk about we, we have to raise our children. We, even though the national birth rate is down, par- people are choosing not to have children for a variety of reasons. And that's not what our program is today. But for, for those of us that have children and grandchildren, we still have to live in the society as it's going through a change. Mm-hmm. And so I was recently doing um, some segments on, you know, teaching our children to work in the marketplace. I was recently in Idaho and I had to take a picture of this, but I walked into the, the, um, the hotel and the lobby was a big sign that said, we are in a global labor shortage. And I just looked at that. And then underneath (laughs) it with a little curly cues underneath it, it said, please be kind to the people who show up. Oh my goodness. And Mike, that caused great pause yeah. to me. Are we at that point where we we don't even know how to treat people anymore? That we're so demanding or we're so off-put? And you mentioned in our other segment about offend. Are we so offended by absolutely everything that we can't work with people? We can't get along. We we don't even show up for work. That's happening not just in the yeah. state of Florida. It's happening across the globe. It is. Um, certainly in America. And I often say, well, where did all the workers go? Which is not the topic of our conversation. But my segment has been on helping your kids, adult, really. And that starts with summer employment. That starts with teaching them work ethic. That teaches them soft skills and hard skills, problem solving, customer service, you know, how many times have you made a phone call and, and whoever's on the other line or in front of you, they don't know how to, to deal with any conflict. They don't know. It's like, I'm not, I'm out of here. I'm not, I'm not putting up with this. Well, there is something to be said about learning in your teens and college years, how to think, how to process, how to, to set that alarm and get out of bed so that you are not late to work. It's not their gift. to You're not their gift to the marketplace. You're going to work for a company unless you're starting your own. And there's expectations of you. And that's what we have to keep instilling. Because while our country is going through this tug uh, and tussle, Commerce still has to happen. People still have to go to work. Mm-hmm. People still have to get paid and pay their bills while they go to a city council meeting or they go to a zoning meeting or whatever school board meeting, whatever it is, is that they're they're wanting to have their voices heard. We still ha- that's the granular level that we're all facing. You go to the grocery store with your children and you teach your children to smile and say hello. You teach your children to you know, conduct themselves in a manner that is fitting in a society. Those are the challenges that we still have to face. And that takes a lot of our time. When you say we've lacked common sense, 
it starts in our home Mm -hmm. and it starts with conversation. I agree. And I think it starts with parents mitigating the uh, involvement of their kids' time in things like social media. And uh, there's a lot. I'm reading a lot. It's not just locally from one source, but I'm hearing and reading a lot of tweets about uh, calls being made on parents to not get their kids when they're young a phone because that phone becomes the gateway. It becomes the open window to just about everything that's evil and dark in the world. It just comes right into their house. I had one person at the NRB, uh, they express it this way. They said, we would never have that kind of people as a guest sitting around our kitchen table, but we invite them in every night. Yeah. Through the phone. I struggle with this, uh, partly because I've been involved in social media since it's since Zuckerberg started Facebook and even before that. But let's just say Facebook was in most cases the beginning. And my one my son had an account and I was like, I noticed him clicking off and on. And and I started doing my own research and I became fascinated because my background in marketing and public relations made me think, wow, this is a great way for businesses to be able to get their brands out to the consumer. And that's how I initially started thinking about it. And then I started watching my kids respond to it. And I thought, oh, there's a whole nother element. It, it so hit a different level with them. So here's my, here's where I've gone. I, you, for years, I spoke publicly about helping your children learn to create a positive social footprint to now there's so much um, perversion and uh, propaganda being spit out to our children. It's hard for our kids. So I, I'm actually, I'll be speaking on Thursday on this very topic. What's Facebook's, you know, Snapchat, TikTok, what's a family to do? I did a show for uh, Fox on a new um, TikTok trend that's taking kids' lives. And, you know, kids do crazy things. They make sometimes their risks. They don't calculate the fact that they may not live to have another, you know, crazy wild time. But I say this because this is the conundrum parents are facing. Mm -hmm. I have worked with kids for about 30 years, uh, teens and college kids. And what I have found is if you if you completely limit access, when they get that phone at 17 or 18, they go berserk. They do not know how to harness the unbelievable power that lies within their, the palm of their hand. Mm-hmm. And they get themselves in all manner of trouble because they're not, they're not savvy enough. Then they're the ones that do give their kids a phone and the children go underground. They go incognito. They have hidden apps. They click on things they shouldn't, and they usher in a whole new host of issues that parents have to work through with their children. So there isn't a, in my mind, in my opinion, there's not a hard, fast rule. You really have to know your child. Mm -hmm. You have to be present. Communication is key. And you have to figure out what what is the purpose? And I always tell parents, Mike, what's the purpose of what you're doing? And get to the why. If kids want to have, and some kids could care less, but there's some that are just naturally, they want to know about the world. They want to, they want to have a voice. They want to be heard. When we step back as a parent and say, some of my kids want to have more of a voice. Some of them have a lot to say. They need a place, a platform. And that's what some of these social media, uh, outlets do. They give them a place to share their thoughts and feelings and and process the world around them. So how do we balance that? One of the things I have been able to help parents do is figure out what's the purpose of why that child wants it. Is it FOMO or they feel like they're missing out? Are they being peer pressured? Are their kids all saying, oh, well, you're not allowed to have one because your parents are so strict. Well, now the kid hates the parents and now they hide it. They go to their cousin's house or their grandparents' house. But What can we do to help our children find a cause or a purpose that if they did use it, that could have allow them to have a voice and a say, maybe it's for the Red Cross or the Pug Society or the Humane or whatever Humane Society, whatever it is, that they could lend something that would be of value because technology is not going away. No matter what we do, these platforms aren't going anywhere. They know how to manipulate us. They know 
how to addict us. They know how to steal our focus and make us not pay attention mm-hmm. on the people that are in front of us. And that's not just kids. No, that's, that's, that's adults that's, too. Yes, there, there, there. It's 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 real. There's a lot of documentaries written or like uh, documentaries, books written about it. It is real. It is a real battle. Yeah. And it is one that parents can't put their head in the sand and say hard and fast, no or yes. There's got to be a it depends and when right. and how. Yeah, I get it. There and then are your parents abs- don't read, your kids then don't read, you know, rebel against what you're saying. And, and they understand, hey, I, I'm not trying to be the proverbial killjoy here. I, I, you're going to grow up one day and you're going to exit this home. And we want you to be able to navigate and compete in the arena of ideas, even on te- even with technology, um, but we can't go into it blindly. Right. And that's why I use the word mitigate. We've yeah. got to get through these. I agree with you. This technology is not going to go away. Facebook is probably going to change as it has been changing. It's not the same as what it was. I mean, we had MySpace before Facebook, Mm -hmm. and that was a place for a lot of bands. My kids had a band, and they would put sites on there. And I began to realize that this was being used more than marketing their music. This space, and that's when we, we started becoming aware. But we would be of that camp that we didn't disallow having any access but we, we definitely mitigated the amount of time right. and how and where they spent that time on the phone. Yes. And if we don't do anything in that direction at all, I fear for what's uh, what you said, they're, they're going to go underground. They're going to take it. That's what's happening today. And then their lives are being, I can't tell you the countless story of these young people's lives that are being destroyed because they aren't uh, cognitively, emotionally, mature enough to spot somebody who may be targeting them. Mm -hmm. And if you have a child that's insecure and they, they want to hear that, Oh, you're pretty or you're so smart. And there are people that will pretend to be somebody that they're not and say just the right things and make them feel all special and slowly. And it's done just like a little drip in a faucet, one little drip at a time. And then your child does things they would normally never dream of doing and find out. And I I recently heard a news story of a mom telling me where her daughter did something that she never would have dreamed she would have done. Mm -hmm. It went viral and it did not end well. And these are, these are real things not to be afraid. We cannot let fear. God says we are not to be gripped with fear, that right. we are to be of sound mind. So mom and dad, grandma, grandpa, aunts and uncles, be of sound mind, be discerning, know the children and know why they're doing what they're doing. Just this morning, I was reading Ecclesiastes and uh, there Solomon is so wisely saying, look, I withheld nothing from my eye, what I had. And, and I, so I took it all in. And what do you have at the end of the day? You have nothing but vanity. Mm. It's all wasted. It means nothing. And that's what we've got to teach our kids, that the stuff that we feel, that they feel is so critical, it's so important. Look, it's got to be mitigated. It's got to be weighed against what is true. The age-old question, what is truth? Pilate asked, well, the truth is the word of God. Jesus is truth. That's what we've got to hang with. Connie Albers, thank you for coming in today. We've got to have you back again and hear about your journeys, your travels, your speaking at all these conventions. It's really exciting. God's using you. Thank you for being out there. Thanks for having me. And friends, we thank you for being with us today. We'll see you next time right here on Afternoons with Mike. <music> 